Hi, everybody. We have a special guest with us tonight. He's going to be speaking in just a tiny bit. We're going to actually we have a bunch of special guests, but they're not really special guests. They're like family. Uh, it's just that Joseph hasn't had a chance to come over here and, and meet us face to face yet, but we're going to get that chance a little bit. Uh, I don't want to take much away of time, but I want to remind you guys just a little review. As we were singing that last song, I just thought about what we looked at over the last month uh, in John. And, and in John 17, it says, Just as you gave him power over all flesh, so that you have given everything to him, that he might give them life in the age, or eternal life. And this is life in the age, that they might know you, the sole true God, in him whom you sent, Jesus the anointed. And then the last verse in there, it's Jesus says, And your name I have made known, and will make known to them, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I also in them. That's the thing that I just... Tonight we're going to be getting a report from uh, Joel and from Jennifer and from Joseph about what God has done and is doing in Uganda. And I want our hearts to realize that it's not an exclusive thing that he does in the mission field. Jesus dragged everybody into himself. In John chapter 12, I learned something this last weekend, and it was, it was just a powerful thing that I still haven't unpacked fully. But in the beginning of the Gospel of John, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, I am indebted to a couple of teachers, Baxter Kruger being one of them, that, uh, that I understand that that word, that the word was with God is the word pros, and it means face to face in relationship. It doesn't, it's not just a, um, it's not just a simple in the vicinity of, or they were both there together. It engages, and, and the way Kruger brings it out, it literally is a face to face exchange of love and mercy and grace and, and all of that. And so, what I found is that in that verse in John chapter 12, when Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up, will drag. The word drag is the same one used to haul in a net full of fish. I will drag all. And if you have a Bible that takes seriously the uh, delineation of words that are added, quote, for clarity, you'll find like in the, in the uh, Holman Christian Standard or the New American Standard, uh, for the most part, there's the word that people or men or anything like that is either uh, got a bracket around it or something. The truth is, in the Greek, that word is, there's no word for that. It just simply says, I will drag all pros myself. I will drag all in the same way, face to face with me. Like I said, I haven't fully unpacked it yet, but I, it, it is something that thrills me. It thrills me because I think that the Lord is revealing to us just what that last song talked about, and that is what can be done if we give ourselves to the revelation and the declaration of Jesus Christ to people because he has already pulled them right face to face in himself. There's so much uh, that's, that's coming out. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, there's little boxes back there if you want to drop off your offering. I want to play financial blessing. Um, I know that... Uh, these are challenging times for a lot of folks, uh, both here and abroad. But uh, I just know, I know, I know that the Lord is with us, and I want to pray a blessing on you. We appreciate your faithfulness and your giving. Uh, we know that we know that God is with us in that. 
So, Father, I thank you, and I declare over the people in this room and the people on Zoom and those who will listen later, I declare free access to the financial blessing that you desire for us by faith and by simply engaging in that realm ourselves with giving. Teach us, Lord, that nothing is impossible if we believe and we engage. And I pray that blessing would immediately begin to manifest in anyone in this room that needs anything special right now, whether that be job or pay or a windfall of of, uh, cash resources or more time to organize. Whatever it is, Lord, we all carry needs into your presence. I just pray for release of your provision to meet those needs now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for that for Joyland, and I thank you for that for everybody that makes up Joyland. In Jesus' name, amen. We are here tonight to uh, share with you guys the 2020 Uganda HACF report. Joel, come on up. Uh, Here's what I put as a subcategory. People, purpose, passion, progress. I think we're going to get to see that. And just for those of you that are unfamiliar, some of you on Zoom, this is kind of the timeline of our relationship here. Uh, I met Joel at a at an evening with Baxter Kruger in the end of 2017, I think. You were over here in 20, or was it 2018? No, 2018. 2018. Okay, so there we go. So it was, and then Joel made some trips in 20, made eight, that was your first trip that in 2018. So that's the one I met you on. And then you came back again in 2019. Yeah. And we made our way up to Open Table and a few things like that. Mm-hmm. That is also when I took my trip to Uganda, September of last year, 2019. And then 2020, of course, there's COVID, there's compassion, there's property people, and another visit to the United States, which is today. And so this is Joel Bianzinka. He is the founder and director of Hope for African Child Foundation from Uganda and a friend, a genuine friend. And it's been a privilege to, to get to, to know him and to, to speak of him in those terms. And this is Jennifer Whitaker. Jennifer is Joel's fiance. And they're going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, there are some bureaucratic issues that they are overcoming, and um, that'll be fun to hear about, I think, in, in just a little bit. So uh, I am ready. Now, here's what we're going to cover tonight, guys. So I want, I want to cover you and Jennifer, marriage, visas, and visits, so you can explain what's happening and what's not and what will. And then I want you to describe COVID's impact in Uganda because... That opened some doors that were extraordinary, but it was it was rough. Uh, hungry, desperate people, difficult circumstances, political favor, and lots and lots of food. Okay, and then property paid off. No, some people might not even know that, so we got to you know go with that route. And then people and potential. And the last one is the mission that lies ahead of us. And we've talked a little bit about I don't know, just the extraordinary potential you know that's going on. So, wow. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, I am so happy to be here. Like, super, super excited. Um, when I'm at Joyland, I, I have this freedom and comfort that I feel because um, before I met Pastor Larry, I had been... Um, across the USA in different states. And I can tell you that you people here at Joyland 
have mastered the art of making people feel at home. And I can tell you that every time I'm here at Joyland, I feel like I am at home. Well, let me start with me, Jennifer, and the marriage. So my name once again is Joel B. Nzika, the founder and executive director of Hope for African Child Foundation. Uh, I am engaged to Jennifer Whitaker. Um, I, I have her here with you because um, she's been part and parcel of my 2020 victory life story. Um, this year start, started out good and a lot of challenges happened, but I am so thankful and I have a lot of good news uh, to bring to you today. So um, I met Jennifer in 2018 on my first trip when I came here. We met in a Bible study up there. I called out once. I had been invited by a friend of mine, Jonathan Metha. He used to come to this church, and I think he still does one, once in a while. Um, so Jonathan invited me to a Bible study group, and that's why I met Jennifer. And we became friends intentionally. And later on, we, we started dating, and we got engaged last year in Pastor Larry's living room. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I had to put that across. Um, so I'm going to let Jennifer um, briefly uh, tell you how her time in Uganda was in a few minutes. And then uh, after she's done, then I'll share more in detail. Go ahead. Okay. Well, good evening. Um, so I went down to visit Joel in February because he had been out here so many times and had met my family and everything, and I had not met his or been to his side of the world or anything like that. So we got there. We spent about a month, and it was really fun. We saw the Nile. We got to meet his family. You can see his family up here in the top picture. Um, and that's that's also his niece, the little girl. Um, but... It was fun, and then about a month in, they shut down the airport, they shut down the borders. Um, I was visiting some of Joel's family, and Joel had run to Kampala for some errands, and he came and picked me up early, because he's like, we need to get home, there might be a lockdown. So we, we got to Jinja, and we were listening to the presidential speech, and sure enough, he put the whole country into lockdown. All the public transportation was shut down, um, schools, public meeting places, um, a lot of the businesses, even some of the markets for food, all got shut down. And so we were listening to all that, and we got, we actually got kind of really discouraged, because um, Joel has 70 families that he feeds every month. And he hadn't had an opportunity to get over to him this month. And so he knew that they were needing food anyway right now. Um, but now there was no opportunity. So we got talking with Pastor Larry on a phone call, and Larry encouraged Joel to reach out to his friends in Parliament because Joel used to be the public relations guy there. Um, and then as for, as for myself... Before I went to Uganda, I was like, oh, my life is starting to get exciting. I should revive this old newsletter that I used to have. 
So I reached out to all my friends and started up this newsletter again because I was thinking, hey, maybe I can encourage them with cool stories. Um, so I had sent out a couple of those before. And the thing is, the president had made it illegal to pass out food. Um, he said that if people are passing out food, then people gather, then the virus will spread. So therefore, if you pass out food, you can be charged for attempted murder. And so we were very hesitant. But on Larry's encouragement, Joel reached out to his friends in parliament and he got permission to give out food. And I reached out to my friends, sending out a newsletter and word kind of spread, but we were not expecting the response that we got because we had enough money to take care of ourselves and maybe a little bit extra for people, but we didn't have enough money to feed 70 families. So when we reached out to people, that was that was kind of the purpose. We just updated them. We, we didn't make it sound desperate, but we wanted to let people know what's going on. And we just got flooded with response. Um, so we aimed for uh, feeding 100 families, but with everybody giving so much, it was like, well, let's um, aim for a thousand now. And it just kept on coming in and it was just crazy. But it was, it was God because like, um, people are communicating with me and sending, a lot of them were sending money to me and then I would pass it to Joel. Joel would go buy the food and then deliver it. And then I would communicate back with people what had happened with pictures. And so it was, it was just God like, God saw beforehand what was going to happen, so then he prepared the solution. Because we couldn't have done anything if Joel hadn't had relationship with people in Parliament, if I didn't have connections, like, already in communication with people. And then two weeks before the lockdown hit, we had just met a guy who was the manager of a brewery. Now, a brewery was considered one of the essential businesses that were open. So he was one of the few trucks allowed on the road. And so when we weren't allowed to drive on the road, this man, Rogers, volunteered his truck for us to deliver food. And it's just one more way that God, God prepared beforehand the solution. So it was just super cool to see how God provided. And it turned out, like, we reached our mark of a 1,000 families. We went back to the beginning of the list, checked on other families, and then we found out about more. So in the end, it was like close to what? Close to 1,500. And um, that's over 5,000 people. Um, yeah, it was just totally God. <laughs> so, what? Jennifer, one thing. So keep this in mind. Jennifer goes over there for a, a trip scheduled for a month. Her family is, is sweet, loves her, loves Joel, but they live up in Fort Collins area. She gets stuck there. So, so how did that work out with your family? And how long were you there past your original uh, return flight? Um, it wasn't actually too much past. It was 15 days longer, but it seemed longer because... Um, for about two months of that, the borders were closed and we had no idea how I was going to get back home. Um, so I was mostly 
I was mostly staying um, at at the place in Jinja for for the whole time while Joel was out delivering because he felt like if I went if I went out on the deliveries, the people would see me as an American and would be like, "Oh, he's rich. Give me more." <laughs> and there was only so much we could give give out to each family. Um, so. Uh, that's, that's kind of what happened. I guess my, my family was a little bit concerned. Um, and they were ready for me to be back. Um, it, yeah, we're, we're glad to get a plane flight back, but at the same time, it's like really hard for me to go because I was kind of like set in a, in the mode of, oh, there's no planes going out. Guess I'm stuck. I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> and, but it turned out good. <laughs> wow. That's, that's beautiful. I, I prefer speaking when I'm standing. So yeah, that, that, thank you, Jennifer, um, for sharing that. Um, what a year and what amazing miracles that God has performed. Um, so with Jennifer, with me in Uganda, um, first of all, in, in the third world countries, like they call them, Information spreads in very fast, but also in very different forms. Uh, now, in America today, you people are having, you guys have issues with the media, with information being sort, you know, flipped and contradicted and all that. Now, in Africa, we get what has been interchanged here and all those lies told, we get that times 10 because most of the local media in Africa picks from the international media and basically that's where they feed the people. So this disease, this COVID thing was marketed in Africa and in Uganda and you could see fear on people's faces. And it is, you know, we were found at a time where we were afraid of the unknown. But before I go in more details, I have one of my staff members on Zoom. Uh, his name is Joseph. Uh, Joseph is the country director of that ministry that I founded. Um, he just resigned from his uh, legal work. He's a lawyer. And he was doing law practice with one of the top law firms in the country. And then he, he put in his resignation and he moved to work with us in the country. So uh, Joseph is on Zoom. And Joseph, you have a minute or two to say hi to these people uh, before I go into the details. You may unmute your mic. Okay. Uh, my name is Joseph Couchy. More English people call it Couch, you know. But uh, Couch is uh, my local name. I'm glad to be here. I've been here before. I don't know if a few people know my face. Um, we are glad, first, with the relationship Joyland is giving back to Uganda. We could never do what we do without your hand. We are so glad that you stand with us. Uh, one thing, people look at us and say, you guys are young. How can you do what you do? What, you know? When people see our age, they start to doubt that we can deliver what we promise to deliver. Trust me, if it is all about God that God gave you the chance to do that, you'll do what exactly you have to do. 
uh, our vision is actually simple. We want to do three things. We want to help the women, we want to help the children, and we want to help the youth. In a village where we work, it is now two months and uh, I think two months and a half since I left my legal work to come and be full part of this work. We have done what we call the village visibility study. Now, we have been able to move door to door, trying to find out what this community wants, what are the main problems, and what are the challenges that this community is facing. One of the stories that touched me about two or three, I found a lady who is 16 years old. She has twins who are very, very malnourished. They are nine nine months old but they can't even sit you know they they are lying on their back they can't sit that is how bad it is and sadly the husband is 37 so legally this would be defilement but no one is caring no one is minding that alone touched my heart then another story was i found a, uh, a child called deo he's he's seven years old he was born with complications. He had some liquid in his skull, which was supposed to be removed. His, his legs were broken from birth. So this family is also facing challenges. We have found a number of challenges in this community. And sometimes I sit down with my team and tell them, guys, what can we do? What can we bring as a solution to these people? Sometimes we feel like we don't have the solution ready. But then we go back and say that the Lord who started a good work with us will bring it to accomplishment. So thank, thank you so much for every penny that you have sent to us. Trust me, we have not put it to waste. We have put it to use. We, and Jennifer and Joel, they, they, will, they have already sent out a newsletter, uh, I think every month. And uh, for this coming month, expect to see some very, very good uh, work done. We are starting our child center day again because now we moved from one village where we used to do it to another village and we have been setting it up. Expect more to come next week. Uh, children are so very excited about it because they have taken about seven months without going to school. So they have not gathered at all. So. Uh, they're going to come and we teach them. What do we teach them? Remember that the community where we are, about 85% of the members of that community are Muslims. Now, because my, personally I was a Muslim, I know a few of them Arabic. So when I go into there, I don't show them direct that I am a born again man. Simply because when I tell them that I am a born again person, they will reject me and throw me out. So I have used my little Arabic to become friends with them. And by the time we start up our programs, they don't have a chance to throw us out simply because they know I'm their friend. That one. Two, uh, we have a possibility of starting up a live church in that community. In the whole district, there is no church that is standing. So for me, I thought that we could do once in a while, 
maybe twice a month and have our live music, live worship, and have your church be part of it and then bring these people to Christ because that is one of another possibility that we are seeing that this community, we can actually be that transformation in this community. We can bring transformation. We can bring Christ into this community. And no, the Bible says that we cannot force people to get born again, but they will see us according to our fruits. So we are living as the right people in this community to make sure that people will come to Christ, not because we have forced them to come, but because they have seen our character and our fruits. So we, we, are, we are so excited and thank you, thank you, Joyland. We can never do anything without you. But again, thank you, God, for the connection that he has brought us. So Joseph uh, mentioned community and mentioned village. Mm -hmm. I don't know what everybody has in their head as far as a village. I'll explain those two. <laughs> Go ahead and share with us what we're talking about. Okay. Um, well, th thank you. Hey, uh, hey, Joseph, you can mute your mic. Um, <laughs> uh, else I will not have any time to share anything. Um, well, uh, thank you so much, Joseph, uh, for that wonderful report. Uh, you know, I don't even know where to start from. So uh, thank you for that update, Joseph, and thank you, Joyland, uh, for that opportunity. Uh, so, we talked about our time in Uganda with Jennifer, and uh, I wanted to thank you in a special way. Um, thank you for inspiring me, always, Pastor Larry. Uh, on that call, I remember the call that I made to you. I was very worried because I really didn't have an idea of what I should do. And Pastor Larry told me, but, you know, you have a background to work with politicians. How about you exploit some of that? And when I reached out to my former boss, that's the Speaker of Parliament, uh, I, I'm lucky that I was able to get hold of her because it was a very busy time, and she put me in contact with another guy in that area that was heading the task force uh, for COVID. So they formed like task forces for COVID in different areas, and those are the only people who were allowed to interact with the people and do whatever government was wanted to do. So I got in touch with one of the gentlemen on the team. And this is like the resident district commissioner, who is like the representative of the president in that region. And I go to this guy and I tell him, hey, there's a crisis here. Our people are starving. I lead an, a ministry that has been helping out these groups of people. And because of the guidelines, I can no longer reach out to them. And because of the situation, I need your guidance on this. And this gentleman looked into my eyes and said, oh, you work with an NGO. Good. You guys have a lot of free money. So if you want to be able to give out food, I would need $500 from you as a bribe. And I told him, hey, wait a minute. You need $500 from me to give me permission to go ahead and distribute food to people. And he said, yes. And he said, without that, we have no conversation. Now, I, I told him, hey, gentlemen, I told you I lead an NGO. That means we depend on donations. And I told him $500 could be a combination of about 20 donors. And all these people who donate their money pray over their money. So you literally want to, me to handle you $500 
And he said, yeah, and he was serious about it. And, you know, we disagreed, and I told him that, I told him out of faith, I told him, you know, you are doing a very wrong thing, that's a big mistake, and you won't have your job by the end of this COVID season. And I I was very bitter when I said that, and I I repented after that. And as a matter of fact, he, he refused. Now, I went back to the speaker through a phone call, and she put me in touch with the head of security in that region. And that's how I get the uh, security and the, the security guys and then all the permission to be able to go around that whole place uh, distributing food. I was one of the few people in that region, I don't remember even anyone, that was allowed to distribute food to people. Even other NGOs were coming to me and asking me, how did you, you know, go about this? And I couldn't really tell them through a relationship, but of course I could not you know, just get them in contact with the speaker because things don't work that way. There is protocol in, in Uganda. So, um, and then Jennifer talked about this brewery guy that gave me his truck that we were using to deliver food. Now, this guy, we, we had just met. I didn't have a background with him. I was with Jennifer out for lunch, and we meet this guy. He was seated on the next table, and we were here. And those days, we were... The, we, we, I was discussing American politics. I think it was about the time they were discussing this impeachment and all that kind of stuff. That, that's what was going on. And we were having a conversation about the impeachment and all that. Those who know me know I am a black guy with conservative values. Um, now, that's weird. <laughs> Normally, when you're black, people think you must be liberal. But So I, I am a pro-Trump guy, and so I, I was discussing Trump, and this guy is super liberal. Rogers is super <laughs> liberal. And we were having a conversation, and we just, I mean, we talked a lot of things, but it was fun. It was my first time to have a, a conversation with another Ugandan discussing American politics. And to be honest, he was a properly discipled CNN liberal follower. And... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I loved him. I loved the passion with which he was defending all the lies. So I, I told him, you know, let's stay in touch, you know. So we stayed in touch with Rogers. Little did I know that a few weeks after that, this same guy, you know, was going to help me with his truck uh, to be able to deliver food and, and go around the place. Now, what, what, I want, what am, am I trying to emphasize here? When Larry was introducing me here, he told you how we met. That's relationship. He talked about a relationship, him coming down and visiting me. And then when Joseph was speaking, he talked about the relationship. When Jennifer was speaking, he talked about relationships with the people back here and also with the people back there. And even with this guy, it was all about relationships. So one thing I wanted to emphasize here that, and, and the main reason as to why actually, we are doing the things we are doing, it's because of the relationship. <clears throat> One, the relationship with the people and the relationship with God. And, and the relationship we have with you, Joyland, we treasure that one so, so much. I want to thank you in person, in a special way. Thank you for coming out and supporting us. You know, you've supported us so many times. I cannot even count or even remember them. But you've come up for our rescue. You've, you've stood with us. And I want to be honest with you, 
like Joseph said, without your support, we would not have done all the things we did. But long story short, we were able to feed about 1,500 families. That's over 5,000 people. We raised over 19,000 US dollars in less than one month. Can you imagine? Like, two months. in two months. But look, that was the time you'd not imagine someone really sparing their money for people that they've never met or people they will even never met. You Joyland people and so many other friends that I know across the world have loved us and have put face on the word love. And that, that touched me and that instant right there impacted my life. Larry, we have a, a lady that I don't know the names, maybe Jennifer knows. She contacted us and she donated her stimulus check, like the whole of it. Like, all as she received it, she donated it and just sent it to us. Can you imagine? Like, these were uncertain times. Now, for me, it's not about how much we raised. It's about the fact that even through such hard times, God still has his people that were willing to spare from the little they had to be able to reach out. I, I must tell you, we have lost some people in this COVID season, but with your help, I am sure we were able to save some lives. I am very sure about that. And I'm, I pray a very huge blessing upon your lives, all of you guys. And I know, and I speak this uh, from a point of experience. God has been so good to me. People have been so good to me. And you people have been extremely so good to me. So thank you. Thank you very much. So now um, that's um, done with the COVID and my time with Jennifer. So I want to talk about... Okay, let me just make one comment so everybody knows. I don't normally encourage my friends to go out and commit attempted murder, but it seemed like a good thing at the time <laughs> to let him take advantage of his political context. And I did that with some trepidation, but knowing you, and it worked out beautifully. So I didn't know all the details. Bless God. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you did. Uh, that is one of the things that I had not anticipated in the beginning. But yeah, relationships. So um, Hope for African Child Foundation, where are we right now? Now, in this year, I, in a special way, I still want to thank God that as uncertain as this year has been, we have seen a lot of miracles um, from that COVID moment where we were able to come out and help out people. We entered this year with a huge balance of about 12,500 US dollars that we had to pay on the property that we we're trying to acquire. We were in the process of acquiring a trail of 0.5 piece of land. Um, is it on there? Yeah. The land is approximately 12.5 acres, which is about five hectares. So it's a property that we were, we've been praying about and we were, we were trying to acquire. And we had paid half of the money by the time we made it in 2019. Now, when COVID struck, it changed all our programs. And we didn't even know that we would be able to raise that money and, and make the payments. We had entered into an agreement that we had to make a payment of $5,000 every after six months. Now, I want to tell you that in this COVID time, we were able to pay off 
that property. And as a matter of fact, Joyland donated, Joyland alone as a church family gave us $6,000 in matching funds. So for every penny that Joyland gave, you helped, you enabled another person out there to give. Now, I have a big reason as to why I say you people are very special to us. So Joyland provided to us $6,000 in matching funds and people donated and we were able to match all those funds. As a matter of fact, we got a little bit of excess and we were able to pay off that property and that in the total cost of acquiring that property was 25,000 US dollars. And we've been able to pay off that property. It's now ours permanently. And, and as I speak right now, um, we've been, we, we have started out on surveying the land. I don't know whether I'm saying that the, the right way or with the right accent. And we have had surveyors down there and they're taking all the coordinates and all the digits and we are processing our land title. Um, and, and when that land title is, we have already signed all the transfer forms. Everything is now in our hands. So we are now working with the surveyors and the district land board and the Uganda land board to make sure that property has a land title to it. That even when I die today and whoever there dies today, that land will remain there for that community and for that ministry. And it will serve all the kinds of lives that will go through that property. Amen. So in a special way, I want to thank you so much. You're welcome. I want to point one thing out, too, just so you guys know for sure. Uh, as far it's, an, it's a mark of integrity. Not a penny of the money, not a shilling of the money that was donated for the feeding project, that $19,000, went toward this land. Yes. Not one bit. Didn't go toward anything else except food. Every bit of that money was spent on food and the distribution of that food to those folks. So in the midst of this super hard time with these uh, property debts or property opportunities looming, these guys exhibited the kind of integrity you don't always see in people anywhere. Um, but especially that you don't always see in, in financial dealings in Africa. So, Good. That, that's exactly where I was going next. Thank you so much. So Jason's question is, what would the property provide for the area? Exactly. So um, with... Um, with, our, with now the land and the property ours, these are the things that are going to be on that property. Uh, one, um, we are going to have, the main reason we, are, we went into that community, oh, let me first explain the community and the village. Now, a community is a, is a big thing here. Now, for us, we use villages. Um, and I don't even know how to explain the village, but you guys have villages here anyway. So uh, when Joseph talked about a community, he was meaning a village. So I don't know how to explain what a village is, but I mean, it's not a small city. We are way into the country, but it's this village in particular has over 5,000 people. Um, by the last time they counted in 2017, 2018, there were about over 5,000 people and we have 450 families. And the reports that we have, because Joseph and the team have been going through, there are over 450, probably maybe 500 families, so the numbers have gone so high. In this village, the average number of people in every family is about seven. Um, and um, this 
Iganga, which is the village, the, the, the district where we, we are operating, um, is the most Muslim populated district of Uganda. So one of the things that motivated us to go there is not because we are anti-Muslim or we, we wanted to have people change, you know, from Muslim and denounce Islam and whatever. But the reason we went to that district is because we wanted the Muslim in their Muslim communities to be able to see Jesus. So one of the main reasons why we are there is to reach out, is to win these souls, is to do discipleship evangelism. And whatsoever is going to be on that property is going to be serving that goal. So here are the things that are going to be on that property. The first, we are going to build schools. Um, when I say schools, I don't know how to change this thing, Jen. Can you help me? Uh, so when I say schools, we are going to have schools from kindergarten through elementary, through high school, and into vocational. And we are not going to have, Uganda has quite a number of schools. And the kind of school that we are envisioning is not the kind of school that Uganda has. We want schools that is, that would focus on having kids, before kids learn about Pythagoras theorem and all the curriculars, we want our kids to be grounded in character and in the knowledge of the truth the knowledge of God. So this is going to be a Christian, not, I fear using the word Christian. This is going, because Christian these days means a lot of things. But this is going to be a school that is going to help young children grow up in the knowledge of Yahweh, in the love of Jesus, grow up in their true identity. Because that has been distorted. Uganda in general, Ugandans in general, at a personal level, one of the biggest things that we suffer from is the lack of identity. At a personal, at an individual level, there is literally no identity. There is no sense of purpose. There is no sense of self-worth. And with all the potential we have, with all the resources we have in that country, due to the absence of those things, we cannot tap into that. We cannot benefit from those good things. So education that we envision through these schools is going to be centered on helping these children grow up in their true and correct identity, grow up to exploit all the good things that Jesus deposited into them. So that's the kind of school we are envisioning that's going to be on that property. Uh, two, we are going to have quality chapel, quality church. Joseph talked about it. We, it's one thing for Joel to come to America and speak about all the problems that are happening in Africa and have you people donate in faith and believing that you, the funds you are donating will have an impact. But I know for sure that it's only with the help and the power of God that, an, that impact can be achieved. It, you cannot quantify impact by how much money you've invested I know of many ministries in Uganda that receive millions of dollars but have no impact at all. So we want people to worship. We want people to worship and speak to Yahweh and have a relationship with God. We want that community. As Muslim as they are, as in their whatever, in all their different walks of life, 
We want them to see Jesus. We want them to have a relationship with Jesus. We believe that if that community comes together and we hold our hands and pray and worship, God in heaven will attend to our needs in that community. God will open up doors. I cannot be all over. the. I cannot go everywhere in the U.S., I don't have connections to Bill Gates to find all the money that I need to do my dream, do the things that we need. But I know that God has connections to people. God has connections to people. God has con- and even in Africa, don't be misled to think that there are no able people in Africa who are able to really support their communities. The issue is the position of their heart. So we want to pray and believe that God will change the culture. God will change things in that community. So that's the second thing that is going to be on that property. There's going to be a chapel. And the gentleman who sold to us this property, he told us, I don't know whether, Larry, you remember that story. But he told us that so many years ago, his family had given that land to the church so they can build a church right there. For some reason, they did not build a church right there. And this is a Muslim guy that is who sold to us that property. So you, you see how God works through people's hearts. This Muslim guy, his family had donated this land to the church, and the church didn't take advantage of that. And it went through so many hands, now it is within our hands. Now, isn't this the right time that we dedicate that property to God? And God's people gather there and worship. I mean, I would want the people there to have a chance to listen to the messages you guys get here. As a matter of fact, when I'm in Uganda, I'm very jealous of you guys. You get to listen from people like Larry and so many people like Paul Young and all those guys. We, we, we admire to listen from those people. I mean, in, in the world where the truth has been distorted so much, there are not so many people that are really, really teaching the truth. And if now that we have a chance to connect with some of those people, I would want exactly that for my community. So there will be a chapel on that community, on, the, on that property. The third thing that is going to be on that property is a medical center, or call it a medical facility. As a matter of fact, from that community, of that village, it's about 50 kilometers, which is about 30 miles for you to meet the next health center or health clinic. Women die in labor there. Many women give birth in the, in, in, in the garden, in, in the bushes and things like that. A lot of things happen. A lot of disease. Uh, actually, if you can see there's that picture, the kids that Joseph was talking about, the twins, uh, those are the kids that Joseph was talking about. Look at that. There is nobody attending to the medical needs of this community. So we believe, now we know that may cost us so much, but we believe that through relationships and through connections we'll meet people that we can work with in bringing healthy services near to these people. Um, I mean, people die of very preventable illnesses in that community. I mean, look at the young Kids, the, the Iganga district is now number one when it comes to teenage pregnancy in the country. Now, don't get me wrong, I am pro-life, very pro-life. I hope I'm saying the right thing. 
I'm like, I believe in the sanctity of life. That's what I'm trying to mean here. But it is crazy if you, if you in a community where 13 year olds are getting pregnant and giving birth and some are dying in labor and, and, and not by their consent. You know, some are forced, some are just, you know, in Africa, poverty is so much that parents are willing to trade their children for food, for land, for cows. So that's what I'm talking about. So we need people that we can work with to bring some kind of information to these people. We, we, we know that through education, we prolong the time that these girls would be out there vulnerable in, in the hands of these men that have not been tamed or mentored. Now, I, I don't want to judge these men. These men, I mean, their religion teaches that it's okay to marry off a young girl. It's in their teachings. And that's very okay for the Muslim religion and community. Two, there's nobody in that community as an example for anybody to emulate. And what breaks my heart is that some of the influential people in our country come from that community. And and they are very influential. They speak a lot of useless English in Kampala and on national TV, and they cannot come and help their people. Now, I'm not saying English is is, is a useless language, but I don't understand how you become so successful and you forget about your people. I, I don't understand how that works. So what, we want that community, that property to have a healthy facility, a healthy personnel, someone who can speak to these young people, who can speak to these men. And now look here, we have an opportunity. When we started going into that community to say, hey, we are here, we want to do this, we want to do a school and all these things, you know what? Men reached out to us. Women reached out to us. They said, okay, you guys want to do a school and educate our children, but then what about us? <laughs> the LC chairperson of the village came to me and told me, hey, you want to teach my children how to speak English, write all these things, but what about us, their parents? So even the parents have reached out to us, or they have opened up their hearts, and they want to learn from us. So we have an opportunity to also have them included into our arrangements. So on that property, I talked about schools, I talked about the chapel, I talked about the medical uh, facility. Now, I, I'm a community library. I mean, it, one thing that I know that influences people is the information we have and w- the sources we got it from and how we apply it in our lives. We want to have a community library there to encourage young people to learn, to keep in school, and to be exposed and to make research. And we are not talking about these uh, books teaching about evolution and things like that. We are not talking about books teaching kids that they came from monkeys. No, we are talking about Christian literature. I have read some books from people like Paul Young, books that have really, really challenged my faith. I have read books from people like, um, this your friend, Ebali, that gentleman. You know, like, these are people who have challenged me. And I would want children, and not just children, but also people there, to have access to this literature. So we, we envision a community library there with internet, with computers. Now, when I say computers, now here, <laughs> this is very funny, but 
We live in a community where people don't even know how a computer looks like. You know, when you say computer, they all look at you and they don't even know what you are talking about. They don't understand the language you're talking about. So we want these people to be connected. And we envision having a community library on that property. And then um, the other thing we envision having on that property, uh, what we want to do for the young people and the men and the women is to skill them in vocational things. You know, give them a trade. We want people to learn a trade. Because as a matter of fact, we cannot give handouts to everybody. We just can't, and we don't have it anyway. You know, we whatever we receive, we make sure we are putting to better use. And if we start to give out handouts to people, we cannot do anything. So we want to teach people a trade. You know, these people, we have one of the most fertile soils. Why would people starve? Why would people really run out of food in two weeks of lockdown in a country considered to be the Great Lakes region of Africa? It is a big shame. So we want to teach people a trade. We want to teach people better ways of farming. I have traveled. I have gone. I've been to the Midwest. I have seen aquaponics. I have seen people make wealth out of agriculture. And this is what Africa is known for. Technology, yes, is a good thing, but that's not so much our thing. But agriculture, really, we are blessed by one of the most fertile soils. And, and, and we want to teach people how they can use small space, better methods of farming, and be able to change their financial lives. We want people to be able to sustain their lives. G- guys, I am talking about a country where someone goes through life with no sense of security whatsoever. People don't even know what we call savings. There's nothing like that. This is the kind of people I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, not just the people there, but even the people in my family. (laughs) You know, it has been, you know, in Africa, in Uganda, in my, when you, when you come up and for some reason God lifts you up, you are most likely not even to succeed because of the weights that you carry. You become the candle in the whole family and whoever has a need runs to you. Not just your siblings, but even your parents. Now, in your culture here, it is a shame for a child to depend on their parents, really, or for the parents to depend on their children. Well, you know, it is the opposite in my country. And I, want to, and I want to have an impact on that. So we need to teach people how to become self-sustaining. We need to teach people how to be self-aware and start planning for their future. So we plan to teach vocational skills, things to do with metal fabrication, things to do with uh, uh, um, electrical engineering, things to do with fish harvesting, things to do with um, uh, pottery keeping, piggery programs, all those things. We want to give basic solutions that are within reach, and these people can use those things to change their life. This community is like isolated or cut off from the rest of the country. Now, our presence there, we want to connect them with the rest of the country. If they are able to do all those things successfully, we want to help them market their things. We want to help them either at the national level, at the country level, at the regional level. Because at least some of us, God has blessed us, opened up all these doors 
you know, taught us how to be able to communicate with people across the boundaries. And we think that p- this community can tap into that such things. So yes, that's one of the other programs that we want to do uh, or to have on our property. And talking about the chapel, uh, as we have church there, we want to have, I don't want to call it a Bible college because that would be too huge for me to even mention, but we want to teach the word of God in its simplest form for people to understand it. For, to, we want to get God out of a box where people look at him and make him very simple and very relatable in their day-to-day life. So those are the things that we are going to use this property for. Um, we are believing God. Now, those things I've talked about right there are going to cost us a fortune. Um, one other thing, okay, family. Thank you for reminding me about family. Yeah, so we are in the village and we are working with families. Now, why families? I mean, these are completely, it's, it's even difficult to categorize the kind of families in these communities. I mean, a 60-year-old gentleman with a 17-year-old girl as a wife, like, how do you describe such a family? You know, so we want to restore and rebuild the concept of a family, you know, that kind of thing. The other thing is, we will have um, shelters, children shelters on our property. Now, when I speak of children shelters, I'm not talking about going into people's families and getting their kids and bringing them to us. I believe that children are safe with their parents. But as most of you, you may not know, Uganda has a sad history. We were hit by HIV AIDS. And we have over 10 million orphans. Those are not accurate figures, but I mean, that's, that's the headstone. We have about four missing generations in the country. So we have a lot of orphans. We have a lot of children living on the streets. We have a lot of orphans raising orphans. Like, you know, orphans meeting on the streets and getting married and raising, starting out a family. It's just an orphan raising another orphan. And we have so many kids like that on the streets that are turning into uh, gangs, that are turning into all sorts of stuff. Now, to those of you who are seeing me for the first time, I am an orphan. And I am a former street child. I went on the streets when I was 11. I lost both my parents and my, both my dad at six lost my mom when I was 11. Moved to the streets with my four siblings. Lost our sister there. Uh, lost our brother there. I have a brother and a, and a sister uh, that I still have today. And I live, we lived on the streets for close to four years. It took God's grace for someone, a stranger to us, to pick us off the streets and for us to reunite back with our, my, our uncles and things like that and be able to again go back through school, get education, and become the people we are. My brother is a doctor. My sister is in medical school. I went to school. I did a bachelor's in business. I've had chances to work with the parliament and to work with prominent people in the country. But as a matter of fact, 14, 15 years ago, I was living and sleeping and eating in the trenches. The memories of that life are still very fresh in my mind. Part of the reason I decided to quit my job with parliament to go and do the things I'm doing today, I was inspired by my past. 
And I am just one of the millions of stories. Joseph, the gentleman who just talked to you, grew up in a children's home called Kampala Children's Center somewhere in Wakiso. It took God's grace for him to be picked off the streets, went through children's home, graduated, became a lawyer, and is now serving with us. So I, and there are so many more other kids of our age who never got the opportunities that I have. And there are so many others that I'm just a reflection of millions of same kind of stories. If you came to Africa, you would listen to these stories and you may think they are just made up stories. But it's a part of our sad reality. So we, there are so many of those kids on the streets. And we believe that if we get them, raise them in, in better way, they will even become more great than some of us have become. Now, I don't pride in the fact that I am great. I am so thankful, though, that the grace of God came upon me. Someone picked me off those streets, invested their money. For Reverend to be able to push us through school, he had to sell off his house. He's my uncle who, who took me through school. But he had to sell off his home. And that's how he was able to educate me through school. Today, I am what I am today because that guy made a sacrifice. As a matter of fact, one of the miracles I celebrate this year is that when I made it to the university, I promised myself that I will study so hard, become so successful, and buy a beautiful home for my parents, for my uncle, because he sold off his home to be able to educate me. God is great. God, God is amazing. I started saving up money for that program in my first year at the university when I got that job with Parliament, and I opted for a good compounding interest that has been adding up and adding up and adding up. And I'll tell you, at the start of this year when I flew back to Uganda, I checked and there was some good money there. And as I speak today, I've been able to construct for them a very good three-bedroom house, and Reverend is retiring from his job next year in February. And my worry was always that he should not retire from his job and he has nowhere to go. And I'm glad that I've been able to construct that house for him. God has provided that I constructed that house for them. And right now, even if they retire tonight, they can go back and retire in their, their home. So I am very thankful to God that... People make sacrifices. And this, sometimes when you are sowing these seeds, you really don't know what will come out. Just like that story of the sower in the Bible. But I'm glad and I'm very, I'm a testimony to the fact that when you keep sowing these seeds, not all of them will come up, but there will always be those that will come up. And I am a testimony to the fact that sometimes for you to rise up, you have to first go down. Life pushed us down to where it hurts. And I am so grateful for how the grace of God has risen up. All of us, me, my brother, my sister. I mean, this is the reason why I took up this as my lifetime vocation. And I want to use all the time of my youth to be able, of course, not in my ability, not in my means, but to be able, one, 
to speak for so many that don't have the opportunities I have, but also to open up doors for so many that need those doors that are closed right now. It took someone to open up doors for me. Right now, I can fly to the United States of America. Now, you see, I see people on TV complaining about the United States of America. I'm like, you should move to Uganda. <laughs> you know, like, this is the greatest nation in the world. All of us, every young person in Africa, his dream is to come to the United States of America. The first time that I came here and I flew back there, my friends came to my house and they told me, you are very dumb. How do you fly to America and you fly back? <laughs> they told me, we've never seen a very... They told me I was dumb. Because they thought when you make it here, do whatever you can, disappear in the crowd. You've made it to America. But I looked at it different. I've always looked at this country. This country has been such a blessing to my country. The people of this country have been such a blessing to me personally, to my country, and so many people all over the world. And sometimes watching your TVs these days, I can't imagine how irritating it is to be told that you are living in a horrible country, which is not true. This your country, we celebrate it. Some of us who really are genuine, we celebrate this country. And this same country gave me a very beautiful girl that I'm looking forward to, to marrying. As a matter of fact, we are just waiting for a few weeks or months and when our visa process is done and, and we get married. So I love this country and when I see people looting and vandalizing and burning down their communities, I just don't get it. I have, I would love to have some of those people in Uganda and they will appreciate how beautiful this your country is. And I want, I'm here to tell you the fact is that you should not be condemned because you are white and neither should we be condemned because we are black. We've all been created in the image of God, and we should all be confident in our skins. We should be confident because um, your color of the skin is not your measure of your intelligence or your value in the presence of God. I am very, very certain of such a fact. So you should not be made to feel horrible about yourself, regardless of the sad history of this country. We can never go back in time to change whatever went wrong, right? But with God and with the Holy Spirit, we should just learn how to live and coexist and value one another and serve one another because I think that's the only purpose as to why we were created. So I am so thankful to this country. And I'm so thankful to Joyland. I'm so thankful to you, Pastor Larry. You've been such an incredible impact in my life. You know, when I met Larry, there's one thing about Larry. Such a humble guy. Very knowledgeable, but willing to listen to your opinion. And, I mean, I had never met things like that. Where I grew up, 
it's different. And your people, you know, I have, I celebrate a lot of relationships from this congregation and from this country. Tim and Meg were our primarital counselors and man, I, I love, we love these guys and we love this church. So thank you so much. Um, so what is next after all this beautiful story? What is next is, um, have I missed something? Okay, so what is happening now? I kind of wanted to say something small about this and I'll be done. So like I said, I, I, I told you what we plan to do on that property. I told you what we've already acquired this year. Now I want to tell you what is happening right now. That's very important. I'm sorry to take you back. So right now, um, Joseph and his team, that's Peter, Julie, Stella, and some other people, are already in that community establishing incredible relationships with the people of that community. He talked about the, the visibility uh, study. We, we reached out to the local leadership and have been moving around the community and reaching out to people, praying with people, getting to know people, and them getting to know us. And uh, uh, we are going to, we have so many things that uh, we are planning to acquire on there. Uh, I can't see the things I want to say to talk about. Sorry, guys. Okay, cool. So the things we need to do now, we, now that we have this property, what next? We are going to start with the fencing off our property such that it is safe. There's a lot of land grabbing in our um, community. In, in Uganda, the rich come down and just grab everything and they, they send away people from their land. So we want, that's why we are processing the land title uh, to make sure that our land is protected and we want to make sure we fence off our property. Now, after facing off our property, we will drill a well because we don't have uh, clean, good water on that property. So we want to drill a well on there. And after drilling a well on there, we're going to extend power to the property. I'm talking about electricity. Uh, if God, uh, if we get the resources, we would love to look for something that is affordable. We are, we, we want to have the hydroelectric power onto the property, but we, in, the, in the future we may subsidize that by maybe solar or biogas or something like that. But we want to have power on the, on the property. Now, after that, we already have power in the community. It's just extending it to our property. Uh, and then after we've done that, we, we, we are going to start out by acquiring container homes Jen, can you look for that thing with container homes? You know, like container of, like, you see, that's, those are containers that were remolded and rebuilt and turned into beautiful office space. Now, we don't have those yet. That's just like something to show you what, where we want to start from. Because we don't have the resources right now to just dive into construction. We want to make sure we, we are there. Now, we found space in the, in, in that village that is working as our office right now, but we want to move to our property. So that's why we are acquiring uh, these containers. We wanted to acquire two of them, remold them, rebuild them into good office and storage for now, so that we can now start using our property. The child center days that Joseph was talking about, where we have the whole community, kids come around and we do discipleship evangelism, and then uh, we want to start meeting every Sunday with the community and pray and worship and call upon the Lord. So um, those are some of the immediate things that we want to do. So when we acquire those things, uh, as we are working in, in those containers and all that, 
uh, we will be going ahead and making sure we draw all the architectural plans and all those things. And then later on, we will know what we need for construction. As a matter of fact, we've already, uh, we, fo we found the company that are going to do architecture work for us. They went down to the property. Uh, they've given us their quotation. It's a lot of money, but by faith, we know we will be able to get that money. And uh, once we have that plan out uh, in all those 3D and everything, then we know what we need for what kind of things. And then we start on that process. So basically, that's uh, <coughs> briefly what I can talk about for now. Um, the other immediate thing that we may need to acquire after the containers will be um, a van. If you look at those roads, now I think that's a very good-looking picture, but that, that the road to our property. Uh, now, people, communities past our village, they grow sugarcane plantations, so the big trucks mess up these small roads, and, you know, the government doesn't care. I mean, who, what good thing comes out of there? No one is paying taxes there, so the government doesn't work on the road. So the roads are really terrible. And for us to access that property properly and to make sure we are moving, you know, in a, in a, in a better way, we are planning to acquire a van or a truck that is, you know, just raised and can really go through uh, those very impassable roads. Currently, we are trying to raise a few dollars to buy a motorcycle, which is the most common means of transport. Now, that's cheaper than acquiring a vehicle right away. So we want to make sure that we ease on how movements are for the team, for the staff people there, because we are not talking about houses packed together. We are talking about homes at different locations. So, yeah. Uh, Joel, let me just say something. You guys will be hearing from time to time about individual projects. Sometimes they catch people's heart. They'll be like teaming up like we did in the land or whatever the case is, a possibility. Drilling a well, uh, 5,600 to 8,000, depending on what it is. Uh, you know, the van would be. You, it, it sounds more impressive when you talk about it in shillings, because then you're talking 31 million shillings or something like that. But just that's the kind of thing that, that the organization that has already been done and the land is going to provide for is an ability to participate at various levels on very concrete projects. And I just am thrilled that, that Joel can come and bring the report about the land because it was a very doable thing that seemed very impossible, especially when COVID hit and there was still over $12,000 owned on a $25,000 piece of property. So God can do it. God can do it. All yeah. right. Well, so we're going to have to wrap up a little. Exactly. I thank you so much for uh, your time. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being such good friends to us. Um, you can be involved with us in so many ways. We would love to have you guys down there on that property and worship with you on that property. That would be awesome. Maybe next year when travel is normal and this massive thing is done and we can get to travel and you guys can come and visit us and, you know, work with us, volunteer with us. I mean, children love learning from strangers, foreigners. It would be very fun having you people down on that property. Um, I mean, you, you, are, you are free to invite us to your home. If you could invite a, invite a few people that we can talk about uh, 
If we talk to about the ministry, that'd be awesome. You can organize an event, invite people. We would love to come and speak to people about the ministry. You know, if you know a church pastor who would be willing to host us and their people listen to our message, uh, feel free to invite us or feel free to take this message. Um, yeah, if, uh, thank you so much. I think there are so many other ways and we always push through information through Larry and through all the leadership of Joyland. Thank you so much. My God bless you so much. just amazing. So, all right. Well, guys, Father, I thank you for Joel and Jennifer. I thank you for the patience that they have with their, their fiance visa and all that's coming on there. We ask for blessing that way. Again, we thank you, Lord, for the relationship. We thank you for the progress that you have been able to make an amazing demonstration of your power and grace and your love for us and what can happen in relationship an amazing demonstration of everything that's gone on, even through this COVID time and all the political unrest and everything in both our countries. So, Lord, I just thank you for that. This isn't the last time we're going to get to have Joel and Jennifer here. It's not going to be the last relationship we have or the last time we have to talk. So I just bless you. I thank you. And, uh, Lord, we also want to, uh, once again, as we close, just extend your grace and your healing toward Janet. And, uh, Janet, I'm glad you guys are online. We pray for a complete release of healing for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.